Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Yes, good evening everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Sorry I'm late. I know, I know. My bad. But good things come to those who wait. Well, maybe not good things. Maybe some bad things are coming. Who would have thunk it? Who knew? Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) You knew. Because you were here. Because you knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Thank you for joining us. It's a late night viral broadcast here on the Daily Boogie Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this late night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I know we're way out of whack, we're way out of time, we're on at a time that we shouldn't be on, but goddammit, we're going to be on anyway. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out if you did. If you didn't, please hit that crooked little arrow on your screen, on the DLive uh, screen. If you're listening on Podbean, then please share that link out. We've got lots to get through. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly did. Um, Yeah, it was one of those things with me. Work's been getting uh, a little bit crazy. And you add that in with the time difference change now. So now I've got an hour less when I get home from work. So it was one of those things like I just slept through my alarm. Couldn't get up. Um, But again, I'm glad I didn't because uh, a lot of a lot's happened just in the last hour or so. A lot of. Funny how these uh, major breaking stories uh, tend to be pushed through at like 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, just to let it simmer while everybody's asleep. So we've got lots to cover, lots to get through. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me how sick you're getting, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Uh, the replay will be up on BitChute later tonight, probably by tomorrow morning. I think most people are going to be watching. If they do watch this show, they'll probably watch the replay because we are, you know, what, about four hours later than normal. And uh, a lot of people are streaming right now. So I knew that was, I knew that was going to be a problem because, you know, this time of night is a lot busier than uh, six o'clock at night. So... That's just what we're going to have to deal with. So I do appreciate you, the people who are here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, <clears throat> where to begin? Where to begin? Where to begin? We spoke about this yesterday. We touched on this yesterday, and things have accelerated a lot since then. Uh, if you go to my timeline at Boogie Bumper, oh, by the way, if you want to leave a tip tonight, then the preferred way to do so is, of course, dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Or you can go to streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper. Uh, Andrew Jackson did get in touch with me. He said he appreciated the well wishes. So thank you, everyone who participated on that tweet. He said he's going to be back, sickness or not. But, you know, he just needs a little bit of time. So we'll give him time. But pleased to report that Andrew Jackson is alive and kicking. And he promises to come back and annoy everyone. So <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, <coughs> I actually feel like I'm coming down with something. <laughs> 
Wouldn't that be the ultimate irony, huh? But we'll be all right. My immune system is pretty robust, so we'll see how we go. Not making any promises, though. Sebastian says, Hello to anyone who made their way here from the dying window of life. The window of life is just starting to wrap up, is it? Well, we'll always have those memories, won't we? That was one hell of a show. Very enjoyable stuff. Uh... So, yesterday we touched on it. We spoke about what I think is happening. Like, a lot of people are... I think a lot of people are getting drawn into this game where they are just in a talking point echo chamber. And it's just circling around. And that means a lot of people are missing the bigger picture. Now, on this program, we've done our absolute best to break out of that talking point circle game and I think we've done pretty well because we've been able to discuss things that very few other people are discussing right now because people are either concerned with if you're on one side of the political aisle all you want to talk about is um, how Donald Trump is failing to do enough and if you're on another side of the political aisle all you want to keep repeating all the time is but the flu kills more people than coronavirus does that to me is a false argument because neither one side or the other is addressing the actual problem (laughs) because the actual problem is not how many people the coronavirus kills believe it or not it's a very convenient talking point to say the flu has killed more people but it is entirely wholly and utterly irrelevant because what we've discussed on this show is the flow-on effects of coronavirus that's the problem the let the rate of growth of infected peoples is the problem the effect that that will have on basic things like public services, public transport, various industries, the tourism industry, the travel industry, mass gatherings, right? That's what the issue is. The effect on the health system, ladies and gentlemen, when you have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are previously unaccounted for lining up at the hospital because unlike the common cold and unlike the regular flu, Coronavirus requires a specific kind of testing kit and it often requires a hospital stay. And at any time in the Western world, the majority of hospital beds are already filled. And if, you know, people at that point turn around and say, but the flu has killed more people. And it's like, congratulations. You know how to read basic statistics. My fucking hero, you're missing the point. Either intentionally or unintentionally. But... Our small but mighty audience on this show knew that this was going to happen. They knew that this was coming and they know that it's going to get worse. While other people are now flipping out, what's going on? Why are they doing this? Oh my God, this is crazy. We sit back, we sip our beverage and we say, yep, it sure is. It sure is because it was always going to be and it is going to get worse, but We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, on this late night edition of the Daily Boogie. Uh, A couple of items, first of all, here. I saw this tweeted out earlier today, (laughs) and I thought this this pretty much sums it up, what we've been talking about. In stage one, we say nothing is going to happen. Stage two, we say something may be going to happen, but we should do nothing about it. In stage three, we say that maybe we should do something about it, but there's nothing we can do. (laughs) Well, we say maybe there was something we could have done, but it's too late now. 
<laughs> I believe that's from Yes Minister. If you were watching this show a month ago, thank you for the Diamond UK Neil, by the way. Follow UK Neil on DLive, dlive.tv slash UK Neil. He's taking toilet paper donations, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Henry St. George, Tucker Bumper. Denmark shut down their government just now to recommend everyone stay inside. I, <laughs> now I'm going to have to say it. We told you. We told you. When everyone else was concerned with uh, getting angry at the mainstream media for saying bad things about Trump, we said, don't worry about that. They're always going to do that. That's what the media does. That's what all politicians do. They all try to use mass events. They all try to use crisis situations to attack, attack each other. That's not the real argument here. You need to get your head in the game because other things are happening, whether you like it or not. And screaming about how it's no different than the flu is not going to change it. People said we were crazy, of course. Fear-mongering. I've been called a fear-monger so much over the last couple of weeks, I can't even count how many times. <laughs> And now the same people are posting things in all caps going, what are they doing in New York, my God? <laughs> I just have to laugh. You just have to laugh. Because people don't care. What we know about human beings is they really don't give a fuck until it's too late. So we do what we can. Um, Yeah, so if you were watching a month ago, you know that we were saying that the Western government's response to the outbreak of coronavirus was entirely subpar. They weren't doing enough. They weren't being proactive enough. They should have quarantined that area of China sooner. Oh, no, no, I can't do that. We spoke about the Australian government's response when they were flying thousands and thousands and thousands of Chinese students back into Australia to attend universities instead of screening for any kind of um, virus symptoms. No, 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 there's no point to doing that, they said. The top health professional in Australia, there's no point to doing that. There's no point in that. No, when they get off the plane, we'll hand them a pamphlet. And it says on the pamphlet, if you've got the sniffles, here's a, here's a number for a hotline. Of course, the hotline was only open between the hours of 9am and 5pm. <laughs> We criticise Western governments in Europe and North America for not doing enough, for not closing the airport soon enough, for still taking people for a number of weeks. We said, this is wrong. You're allowing this thing to spread. Then eventually they started closing the airports and then they had the audacity to turn around to us and say, we're containing it. <laughs> then came the phase of us having to put up with people just repeating uh, government propaganda as if they had thought of it themselves. Are you saying that the bold and early response by my government was inadequate? <laughs> Are you saying that our bold and early response that nobody has ever done before isn't good enough? What the hell did you expect them to do? It's like, I don't know, what we were talking about for the last few weeks, maybe, perhaps? Maybe that could have been a start, maybe? Are you saying that the government isn't doing everything it can to contain the virus? And it's like, why are you using the word containment after people have been flying all around the world for a month? Containment is no longer an option, ladies and gentlemen. That if you find yourself uttering the word containment to your friends and allies and comrades, you are being you have been propagandized. I don't know how else to tell you. Containment happens before you let hundreds of thousands of people spread around the globe with uh, with a highly infectious, potentially very low risk, yes, but very uh, infectious, contagious virus. That's That happens before you let those people 
mingle. After you let those people mingle and you start shutting down your own country, that's not containment anymore. That's called management. We're trying to manage the situation now. So you're being lied to. Uh, Jay Mack in the chat. Thanks for joining us. The average age of coronavirus fatality is around 80. Again, again, stuck on the on the fatality side of it. Again, stuck on, oh, this is how many people have been killed. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, Jay. Like, we've already been over this. It's... If you find yourself just saying things like, well, the flu kills more people, or it's we're not talking about the death rate here. That's not the issue that I'm pointing out. What I'm pointing out is the strain on public resources, the effect on economies, the effect on markets. And now the US government, if you're in the US, okay, that's fine, sorry, just joined. The effect on the government now, pissing on your constitution. That's now an effect. Thank you for the diamond gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond gypsy? That's what we're talking about because people like to go back to and say, well, nobody's really died from it. It's like, yes, I know, but it's so much more than that. Imagine we spoke about this yesterday on yesterday's program, yesterday's podcast. Imagine whole government departments shutting down. So imagine, if you will, in a city like Sydney where there's over 4 million people, no buses driving for, for two weeks. How about nobody being allowed to use the subway? How about supermarkets being shut down? How about whole government departments being shut down? We already have in other countries whole industries being told to stay home. People can't spend money. People can't get to work. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people showing up at their local hospital to get tested. In hospitals where the majority of beds are already filled. People stop spending money. Markets begin to crash. People start taking money out. Money isn't worth as much as it used to. This can all accelerate extremely quickly. <clears throat> and while we've been on this program for the last month pointing this stuff out, um, I've generally had two responses back to me. One, it can't happen here, but don't worry, we're going to get to what's happening in the United States. It is happening there. California State has now banned people from gathering in groups of more than a 1,000. So your right to free assembly, don't worry. The California government has just pissed all over that. <clears throat> uh, the National Guard has been deployed to a suburb in New York City to set up a quarantine zone. Washington State has banned more than 250 people, including religious services, mind you. So churches, those big churches in Washington State, guess what? You're banned. But my right to religion, my right to religious freedom. Yeah, you've got rights, do you? Good for you. You're banned. You've also got St. Patrick's Day parades being banned in, uh, being cancelled in Ireland of all places and the United States. The NBA has suspended the start of its season. The Formula One is going to have races with no crowds. The local football competitions here are going to have football games with no crowds. And this is all accelerating within the last week or so. And like we said, a long time ago, uh, you know, you probably have two options. We said this on the show about two weeks ago. You probably have two options because I was asked, will there be a run on in stores? And I said, yes, absolutely there will. People will run on the stores. People will start cleaning the supermarkets out because that's what people do. 
in a place like Singapore, they have a high level of trust for the government. The Singaporean government said, don't panic, the people panicked. So when you look at Western governments, the UK, Australia, the United States, where there's a very low level of trust for the government, what do you think people are going to do when the government says don't panic? Of course they're going to panic. And panic they did. And I said, you probably have two options. You can either uh, get down there now, stock up on toilet paper. We even talked about toilet paper before everybody started buying toilet paper. I gave you every possible opportunity. You can either get down there now, stock up on toilet paper and baked beans and be called a fear monger and a conspiracy theorist, or you can put your hands behind your head, laugh and say it's all a media campaign to hurt Donald Trump. It's all a conspiracy and it doesn't kill as many people as the flu. And then you'll probably be the one who can't get toilet paper. It's up to you. Whether, whether it's real or not, the actions of people will make it real. The actions of those around you will force you to act differently, whether you like it or not, because that's the psychology of crowds. So here we are. And things are going full circle. So let's play this little clip again, shall we? Maybe, maybe it rings even more true now. In stage one, we say nothing is going to happen. Stage two, we say something may be going to happen, but we should do nothing about it. In stage three, we say that maybe we should do something about it, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> stage four, we say maybe there was something we could have done, but it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do get some kind of sick satisfaction, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from witnessing the people who were who still now say that it's not really that big of a deal because the, the flu kills more people. And I'm not saying this to J-Mac. This is not addressed to you. I'm talking more about pundits. So people who have been spending the last two or three weeks saying it's no more than the flu, it's just a conspiracy theory, are now praising Donald Trump and other governments for their response to it. And it's like, but hang on, you can't have it both ways. If it's not a real problem, if it's just a conspiracy, if it's all invented, why are you praising a government for responding to it? Because by your own admission, they are now responding to something that you say doesn't exist. Because if it was me, I would criticise a government for responding to a conspiracy theory that I say doesn't exist. But people want to have it both ways, right? It's not a real problem, but Donald Trump is doing the right thing by responding to it. Oh, okay. Do you understand what level of mental divergence you have to have at that point to be able to hold those two opposing viewpoints at the same time? <laughs> Congratulations on your response to the thing I think doesn't exist, sir. Well done, sir. You're a genius, sir. That is some that is some great that is some gold-plated kiss arsing right there. That is some gold-plated brown nosing. Congratulations, sir, on how you responded to the thing I think doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, Piper Ohio, how much of what and should one person get? That's up to you. That's entirely up to you. Uh, you know, I was talking with a friend here. Um, I'm, I'm, look, it doesn't hurt just to have a little bit extra anyway. It doesn't hurt to have a little bit extra, you know, in supply in the house. Just, just generally speaking, you don't need a, you know, a health crisis. It doesn't hurt just to have um, a little bit of uh, backlog in the pantry. You know, tin stuff that lasts a long time. Long life milk, powdered milk, tin food, right? Tin vegetables, uh, meat in the freezer. That's not a that's not a stupid thing to have. 
Uh, we live in a society now where fewer people do that because we have everything so accessible to us at all times. So that's probably going to be the reason why a lot, there's a lot of panic at the stores because people realise when they open their pantry, when they open their refrigerator, oh shit, I've only got food for like two days. <laughs> because what do we do? We, we just go down to the store every few days and pick up a handful of things and then come home. Um, people very rarely do like the, you know, when I was a kid, people, and I'm not even that fucking old, mind you. Um, when I was a kid, people used to do the shop for a month, you know what I mean? And fill up like two shopping trolleys and then stack a freezer full of stuff. We don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. All right, here's another little video for you. Like I said, we're going to work through a lot tonight. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Podbean audio feed, guys. We may go over two hours, just fair warning. And uh, Podbean, Podbean doesn't allow broadcasts for more than two hours, just letting you know. So if we go over two hours, it will cut off at the two-hour mark. You can come and join us on the live stream, dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Uh, failing that, you can always listen to the podcast after we're done or check out the replay, which will be on BitChute, bitchute.com slash Boogie Bumper. But thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you for the tips on DLive, by the way. Uh, I spoke about this yesterday. People need to familiarize themselves with the with the concept of exponential growth. It's a, it's a mathematical formula, and I'm not going to get into the details of it because, to be fair, I'm not even the best at maths. <laughs> so uh, explaining functions and stuff is not my thing. But this, I thought, was a very nice visual representation of what exponential growth looks like, put together in a little one-minute Twitter clip. Very convenient, very easy to understand. I want you to keep track of the number in the bottom right hand of the screen here. That is the date, okay? twenty-third. This, this graph starts on the 23rd of January. And you can see uh, confirmed cases outside of China of coronavirus. Now, just watch the date and watch the confirmed cases and watch what happens. This is what exponential growth looks like. Oh, and I, I need to uh, apologize to you, by the way. I said on yesterday's show that the reported number of infections doubles every six to 10 days. I was wrong. I was wrong. Sorry about that. It's actually every four days. It's actually four days that it doubles. So it's worse than I said. So sorry about that. I was, I was being a little bit optimistic. <laughs> So you can see in a month in a month and a half it went from less than 100 people to well over 10,000 people. Actually in a month and a half it went from less than 100 people to well over 20,000 people in 6 weeks. That is exponential growth. 
As usual, everything that we refer to will be in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen, when I post up the podcast later on tonight. Oh, and one more fun thing for you. Uh, ben sent this through yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, pardon me. I haven't watched it yet. I was promising to watch it with you. So let's check out, because Ben does send some uh, pretty funky shit to me from time to time. So this this could be a hit or a miss. I'm not sure, but let, let's see what Ben sent through here. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Han cooking in the kitchen. Bioweapons that we serve raw. Yeah, I eat the bats in the soup that be raw. Got the CCP declaring martial law. So, okay. one more time I come. Chinese take Corona a battle, make you cough up along. The goofing. Because our disease spreads dormant. Lock you in I'll your put the link in the, the chat. Warrant. I make sure everything we eat raw. 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 Oh, nice. A bit of bit of Buster Rhymes, huh? They better not butcher Buster Rhymes. I love myself some Buster Rhymes. Yo, when I cough up in your face, you know I spit direct. Woo-ha! I got you all infected. I got that head wall grab your neck. Okay. There it is. I put the link in the chat for you. You can check it out yourself. Um Tell you what. Let's do this one first, and then we'll go to a bit of the present. I only listened to about 10 minutes of this this morning. Like I said, I haven't had a lot of time lately. Work's been pretty crazy. Um, but this guy, Michael Ulster, Ulsterholm, he was on the Joe Rogan experience. And, you know, people have their own views about Joe Rogan. That's fine. I'm not a big listener to Joe Rogan. I listened to this one uh, episode, and like I said, only about 10 minutes of it, uh, because somebody said, you have to listen to this, what you're doing on your show. I'm like, okay, I'll have a listen. Uh, he's an internationally recognized expert in infectious disease epidemiology. He is a Regents Professor, McKnight Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health, the Director of, Se- of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, Distinguished Teaching Professor in the Division of Environmental Health Sciences, a Professor in the Technolo- uh, Technological Leadership Institute, College of Science and Engineering. He's got a lot of credentials behind his fucking name, put it that way. This is not your average uh, Fox News pundit who just reads talking points off a teleprompter. Put it that way, okay? So this might help people. Again, you know, there's always going to be a section of society who just use this as confirmation for, oh, it's just a conspiracy theory to hurt Donald Trump. That's fine. If you're going to continue down that path, that's that's the path you're on. Um, but I won't be pandering to you. You know, I won't be I won't be um telling you what you want to hear. So. Just have a little listen to this. I thought it was interesting. Might put things in perspective just slightly, again, from somebody who was probably more than qualified to talk about it. For a black of a better term, a medical detective. I've spent my whole career tracking infectious diseases down, trying to stop them, trying to understand where they come from so we can make sure they don't happen in the first place. But most of all, trying to respond to situations just like this. Just like this. And um, just off the bat, how serious is this? Is this something that we need to be terrified of or is this overblown or how, how do you I'm sick of the false dichotomies <laughs> I'm sick of the false dichotomies Joe's not alone it reminds me of that scene in the Simpsons uh doctor would you say now is a good time for our audience to crack each other's heads open and feed on the goo inside yes I would Kent <laughs> 
Is now a time for us to panic and start slaughtering each other in the streets, or is it all just overblown? <laughs> why does it always have to be either one or the other? Why can't any why doesn't anybody now have the ability to address nuance in things? There's no nuance anymore. You know, and if you if you do this, like if you do live streaming, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you you put up with this probably more than anybody else does. Because you'll post one thing or you'll say one thing and then to a whole bunch of people who have no ability to address nuance, you'll say one thing and then they just then construct a whole identity and a plethora of beliefs that you must hold because of this one thing that you said. It's like, well, no, I think you're taking things out of out of uh, context here. You're blowing things out of proportion. Shut up, you communist! You know what I mean? You get it more than just about anyone else does. <laughs> Stand on this. Well, first of all, you have to understand the timing of it in the sense that it's just beginning. And See, he's not, he's not saying you either need to panic or it's nothing. Because he understands nuance, he understands detail, he understands that, it's, that there's more to it than that. Well, first of all, you have to understand the timing of it in the sense that it's just beginning. And so in terms of what hurt, pain, suffering, death has happened so far is really just beginning. Um, this is going to unfold for months to come yet, and that's, I think, what people don't quite yet understand. Mm -hmm. um, what we saw in China, uh, I'm convinced, as are many of my colleagues, as soon as they release all of these uh, social distances, these mandated stay in homes, haven't left their home in weeks and weeks kind of thing, when they go back to work, they're on planes, trains, subways, buses, crowded spaces, manufacturing plants, even China is going to come back again. And so this really is acting like an influenza virus, something that transmits very, very easily through the air. Um, that That's a little shout-out. That's a little shout-out to the people who were saying yesterday, and you know who you are, Winning TV. <laughs> winning TV's on the uh, PodV live site. That's okay. I'm not having a shot at you. You know, you know I love you, Phil. You know I absolutely love you. Um, but you weren't alone, and fair enough. People were saying that because it's slowing down in China and South Korea, oh, okay, it's 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 coming to it's all coming to an end, basically. I know you weren't saying that, but a lot of people were jumping to that conclusion. No, 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 no. Slowing down doesn't mean uh, stopping. It's like when governments, one of my pet peeves of government, when they say things like, "Oh, the budget," just say you're in deficit, like you're in debt. Your 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 budget is in debt by a million dollars. And the government comes out and says, we're going to have a budget surplus of $100,000, okay? And everyone says, yes, great. Uh, the budget's going to be in the blue, uh, you know, the budget's going to be in the black by 100000 It's like, no, 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 that's not what that means. That's not what that means. You, you're still in debt by 900000 Because the budget is in surplus doesn't mean that the debt goes away, Right. So your this one budget will be in surplus by hundred thousand. That doesn't mean that the debt has been resolved. It means that the debt is now one hundred thousand less than what it was. But you're still in debt. It's the same. It's the same kind of mind trick that people play on themselves when it comes to things like, well, the virus is slowing down. Didn't you hear the authorities? They said that the spread is slowing down. It's like yes, but that does not mean that the spread has stopped. It just means that it's not spreading as quickly as it was. It's still spreading. <laughs> so that's a pet peeve. We now have data to show that you're infectious before you even get sick. And in some cases, oh. quite highly infectious. Just breathing is all that you need to do. 
So from this perspective, I can understand why people would say, well, wait a minute, flu kills a lot more itself every year. Here we go. That, that talking point, flu kills a lot more people than this does, so what's the problem? That's, that's the thing that we've been coming up against on this program over and over and over and over again. The flu kills more people, therefore this is not a real problem. No, you've got it fucking wrong. You are missing the point. There's going to be a whole lot of pundits with egg on their face in the next month. In not even not even just in corporate media, but in, in on in uh, on in oh, pardon me blah, blah, blah. in alternative media as well. A lot of people have been pushing the line. More people die from the flu, therefore there's no risk here. Like there is no real problem here. You have been missing the point entirely. Just pointing to the bottom line of how many people have died is missing pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of nuance and consequences of things that you're not even allowing yourself to consider. And you're doing yourself a tremendous disservice. Exactly. Sebastian, that's a talking point. Oh, the flu kills more people. And this is exactly what I tweeted about earlier. People are trapped in this two-way talking point uh, game of ping pong. Where on one side, they're saying Donald Trump isn't doing enough. And on the other side, they're saying the flu kills more people. Therefore, it's not a real problem. This is a fake argument. And if you find yourself in that argument, I would suggest humbly that you are having the exact discussion that the corporate media wants you to have. You have been dragged into a false argument, a false dichotomy, where it's just people throwing talking points at each other and nobody discussing actual, real, nuanced consequences. If you're a listener to this show, you have been discussing actual, real, nuanced consequences because that's what we've been doing for the last month while people have been telling us that we've been pushing fucking fear porn on them, which is another talking point. Just pointing at something and saying, that's fear porn. That's no different to pointing to somebody who's talking about immigration and saying, that's racist. It's just an attempt to shut the conversation down. It's just an attempt to shut down the argument. You're not actually adding anything to it. You're not discussing anything at that point. You're just being an SJW. <laughs> and I remind people this is just the beginning. Probably the best guesstimate we have right now on what limited data we have is say this is going to be at least 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. 10 to 15. It's just like the normal flu, guys. More people have died from the flu, therefore there's no problem here. In times worse in terms of fatalities? Yeah. Or, again, Joe Rogan's going back to the fatalities. Oh, but what about how many people have died? Do you see the pointlessness of that talking point now? When you consider everything else that we've already discussed, whole government departments being shut down, the potential for public transport to be shut down, the effects on the economy, gatherings being banned in places like California and Washington State, the National Guard being deployed to New York City, travel being banned. Italy is entirely quarantined from the outside world now. You cannot get in or out. All travel in Italy has been banned except for people going to work and emergency. The President of the United States just banned people from travelling from, just banned all people travelling from Europe to the United States. Banned. The travel ban, ladies and gentlemen. From Europe. And you're still going to talk about, but the flu kills more people. Do you understand now that you are essentially just a dog in a backyard barking? Bop, bop, bop. And nobody's listening now. The conversation has moved on from that point. 
the bottom line of the flu has killed more people is entirely and utterly irrelevant. It does not matter. It's a talking point. Yeah, and, and just illness. In fact, I just I brought some numbers. We uh, conservatively estimate that this could in, uh, require 48 million hospitalizations, 96 million uh, cases actually occurring, over 480,000 deaths that can occur over the next three to seven months with this situation. So this is not one that to take lightly. And I think that's what I can understand if you say well, there's only been 10 deaths or 20 deaths or 50 deaths. Just remember, <clears throat> two weeks ago, we were talking about almost no cases in the United States. Because that's what exponential growth is. Because that's what exponential growth is. And again, before uh, people accuse this guy of being just another uh, pundit reading talking points off a teleprompter, he, uh, Michael Osterholm, recognised expert in infectious disease epidemiology, Regents Professor McKnight, Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health and Director of Centre for Infectious Research and Policy, Distinguished Teaching Professor in the Division of Environmental Health Sciences, School of Public Health, Professor in Technological Leadership Institute, College of Science and Engineering, and an adjunct professor in the medical school, the University of Minnesota. He is essentially a virus hunter. That's what he does. That's what he's been doing for the last 30 years is tracking viruses before they turn into pandemics, diagnosing them and treating them and coming up with solutions to them. This is not fucking Anderson Cooper. This is not Brian Stelter. This is not Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity gets up there and says, well, the demon rats are inventing this. (laughs) (laughs) And people cheer. Yes, Sean. I've lost count of the amount of times that people have thrown direct quotes from Sean Hannity at me when I post something about coronavirus. It's insane. Because on this occasion, he's saying stuff that they want to hear, they want to believe. So therefore, it must be right. Sean Hannity, ladies and gentlemen. If you... <laughs> Sean fucking Hannity. I'm not even I'm not even responding anymore. I just go, okay... <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> it's 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. 10 to 15 times. Uh, Lucifer Sam says 100,000 ICU beds in the entire country. Again, we'll bring it up again. Uh, if you're just pointing to the bottom line of how many people get killed by the flu, you're missing the point entirely. The average flu does not require a special testing kit. The average flu is not going to have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people lining up at hospitals who would otherwise not be there looking for beds that aren't there. Trying to get resources that have not been allocated. Trying to get things, trying to get services that will not exist when whole government departments shut down. It's all of the other things that is the problem. It's not how many people die. And you'll point to the media and say, but the media is attacking Donald Trump. And I would say, again, yes, very good. You're very good at observing very basic things. Congratulations. But here's, here's, here's the real news. The media and politicians have always used crises or crises to attack their political opponents. This is not a fucking new development. You are just observing something that has always taken place before. Maybe you're new to politics. Maybe you're new to watching the media This has always happened all the time, every time there's a crisis, every time there's an event. All politicians, all sides, all the time do it. So this is not new. But congratulations on being able to observe basic reporting. 
times worse in terms of fatalities? Yeah, or? yeah, and, and just illness. In fact, I just I brought some numbers. We uh, conservatively estimate that this could in, uh, require 48 million hospitalizations, 96 million uh, cases actually occurring, over 480,000 deaths that can occur over the next three to seven months with this situation. So this is not one that to take lightly. And Does he look like uh, he's panicking, incidentally? Does this look like a man that's running around? Because this is often, if you point out these things, you'll get accused of uh, panicking. You'll be you'll be accused of saying the sky is falling in. Does this look like a guy who's panicking, running around with his hair on fire, saying the sky's falling in? Or does this look like a guy who's just delivering very cold uh, objective analysis based on his, you know, three decades or so of experience in this particular field? It looks to me more like the latter. Like he's just analysing evidence and he's just giving you a cold objective analysis of the evidence. It doesn't look to me like he's running around screaming, oh, we're all going to die, which is the accusation that you will get. And I think that's what I can understand if you say it was only been 10 deaths or 20 deaths or 50 deaths. Just remember, two weeks ago, we were talking about almost no cases in the United States. And now that we're testing for it and watching the spread as it's unfolding, uh, those numbers are going up astronomically. And two weeks ago on this show, we said, we laughed when people were saying, there is no, but there's no reported cases in the United States, therefore it's not a real problem. We said on this show that there was a grand total of five facilities at the time that had the ability to test for this virus. So pointing to the fact that there's no reported cases is a false argument because nobody was testing for it. <laughs> Two and a half, three weeks ago, there was five facilities in a country of well over 330 million people that had the ability to test for coronavirus. And I was having to push back against the talking point that people were spreading back there. Not, they, notice they're not spreading the same talking point now. See how that's just been dropped from the repertoire, just quietly pushed out the back door. But three weeks ago, people were saying, ah, there's nobody testing positive here. Therefore, there's no problem. Yes, but there's only five facilities, so they're not testing anybody. That's the problem. Shut up, you communist. What are you, some kind of fear monger? You've been reading too much fake news. <laughs> we told you. Three weeks ago, Italy was just living life just fine. Yep. Now they're literally in a virtual shutdown in the northern parts of Italy. And that's the challenge with an infectious disease like this. It can spread very quickly, and it also can affect people. I think... Maybe to put this into modern terms, because this is something we think of often when we think of, of you know, pre-antibiotic days, you know, the old-time medicine. Um, we have an employee at our Center for Infectious Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, and she has a dear friend who lives in Milan, Italy, and she works at a hospital there. And she texts this to this employee of ours last night. And this was an email that came out yesterday from one of their physicians in Milan at the largest hospital there. And he said... I just got a very disturbing message from a cardiologist at one of the Milan's largest hospitals. They're deciding who they have to let die. They aren't screening. <laughs> just let that one settle with you for a moment. Want to hear it again? Want to hear that? Want to hear that one again? Milan at the largest hospital there, and he said. I just got a very disturbing message from a cardiologist at one of the Milan's largest hospitals. They're deciding who they have to let die. Why would that be the case? 
Why would that be the case, do you think? Because all the beds are filled. Because it doesn't matter if the flu has killed more people right now. That's not the point. The point is with this particular virus, you need a hospital stay. Many people need to be in intensive care. Uh, For people who use the talking point, well, this only affects old people. This doesn't affect young people. Exclusive. Coronavirus doctors reveals his patients in intensive care are as young as 40 and do not have underlying health conditions contradicting official advice. A California doctor says three men he knows struck down with coronavirus are all in intensive care and are as young as 40, contradicting claims that the disease only impacts the elderly. Oh, but what about the average age? Yes, it gets the old and the infirm first. First. A lion doesn't take down the strongest wildebeest first. It takes down the weak and the sick and the old and the young. It takes down those who cannot handle it first. Dr. Sam Fink, who is based in the affluent town of Tarzana, began treating two of the men following their return home from a ski trip to northern Italy late last month. Dr. Fink is friends with a third patient from the trip who is also now in ICU battling against the virus. I've never seen anything like this, Dr. Fink told DailyMail.com on Tuesday. These people are, these are direct quotes, by the way. So you can point to, um, you can say that the the publication itself, I don't trust that publication. That's fine. Just listen to the direct quotes from the doctor then. I'm sure that this is one of the many thousands upon thousands of doctors who is in on the conspiracy, the worldwide conspiracy theory to just make Trump look bad. If, If you want to believe that, if that helps you sleep at night, so be it. It's not for me to try and drag you away from that increasingly undefensible position. Quote, These people who are in hospital are generally young. 40, 50, 60. These are not elderly people. There are three people who are now in the ICU. It is my understanding that one has underlying medical issues, but the other two sure don't. Sure don't. Not having any underlying medical issues does not protect you, he said. Coronavirus doctor reveals his patients in intensive care are as young as 40 and do not have underlying health conditions. You're on the Daily Boogie. As I mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, anything we refer to tonight will be in the show notes. And we've got a lot to get through. This could be an overtime show. So let's get back to our doctor here. Just a couple more minutes of this and then we'll go to the president. They aren't screening the staff anymore because they need all hands on deck. And they have very small areas of the hospital dedicated to non-COVID patients. So back to the point, because we might get sidetracked here from time to time. Why would the why would the hospital in Milan be deciding who they need to let die? It's because they do not have enough resources. Hospitals in Australia right now are freeing up resources for what's coming in the next two weeks, one month, two months. They know it's coming. They are starting to get people out of hospital early. They are starting to send people home. They are trying their best to free up beds because they know they are going to need them. And again, if you want to point to that and say it's all part of the conspiracy to attack Donald Trump, then I don't know what to tell you. I think you're stuck on the first level of conversation here and you are missing the rest of the fucking point. But in my humble opinion. 
where they still screen doctors. Everybody else is dedicated to COVID patients. So even if they're positive, meaning that they're sick, they don't, and, but they don't have a severe cough or fever, then they have to work. Uh, he says that, that they're seeing an alarming number of cases in the 40-something age range, and is ho- these are horrible cases. So we need to stop thinking that this is only an old person's disease. This is what I'm going to unfold, not just in Wuhan, it's unfolding in Milan, it's unfolding here in, in Seattle, and this is what's going to continue to rollingly unfold throughout the world. Yeah, where did this... Jay Mack in the um, Podbean live chat says, mate, it does only affect old people. It also affects hypochondriacs. Jay, we we know the story of the first doctor who discovered the virus. He died himself and he was in his 30s. So the doctor in his 30s who was treating people may be an elderly hypochondriac. I'm not sure. You might be right. Rumor come from that it's a, an old person's disease. Is it just because the majority of the people that have died from it so far have been older? Yes. In fact, that's the primary risk factor for dying is being old and then having certain underlying health problems. For example, in China, uh, those men over the age of 70 who also smoked, were 8 to 10% of them died. 65% of older Chinese men smoke. The uh, case fatality rate or the percentage of people who die in women in that same age group is only about 2%. In that mm. case, w- very few women smoke. Now, the challenge we have is that that's the Chinese data. But there are a series of risk factors that we worry about that if they overlay on this disease are going to cause bad outcomes. And we happen to be right at ground zero for one of the major ones here in this country, and that's obesity. Uh, we oh, know that obesity yeah. is just like smoking in terms of its ability to really cause severe life-threatening disease. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And 45% of our population today over the age of 45 in this country are obese or severely obese, and there's men and women. So one of the concerns we have is we're going to see more of these, uh, what I guess I would call very serious and life-threatening cases occur in our country because of a different set of risk factors than we saw in China. Now, you mentioned that there's some sort of an incubation period before people become sick, they're still contagious. What is this incubation period and how do we know about it? When we... Becca in the chat brings up a good point. I've heard that the elderly are more susceptible and more likely to die, not that it only attacks the elderly, 100%. But that's that's how these things start, right? Because <clears throat> Because it's mostly older people dying now, people think that it's always going to be only older people that die. It's, they are the only ones who are at risk. But that's not how viruses work. I mean, it go, it will, the weakest people will die first, granted. Call something an incubation period. We're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected. This, this is the part that I really wanted to show you. Talking about the incubation period, okay? Know about it. When we call something an incubation period, we're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected uh, with the virus was expelling out, I breathed it in. How long from that time period till the time period that you get sick? And what is that? It's, that's what we call the incubation period. So that's when case numbers can double or triple in every so many days. In this case, it's about four days. So, and we actually have data there from people who are exposed one time or one time only. And we know when they were exposed, where they were exposed, and how soon do they get sick afterwards. So the chauffeur in the car where an individual was sick or showing symptoms, then the chauffeur gets it four days later. 
imagine all of this taking place. So something as simple as that, right? So the chauffeur drives somebody in a car. He now has it, but he doesn't know. And cast your mind back, ladies and gentlemen, to a month ago when we were pointing to Western governments and I was so critical of my Australian government. You know, I tweeted something out yesterday about this and somebody, you know, in a sarcastic fashion said something like, well, so what has the Australian government done? Why? What makes you so special, right? <laughs> Thank you for the diamond winning TV. Thank you, Phil. Follow winning TV on DLive, by the way, dlive.tv slash winning TV. And I had to point out, no, I was highly critical of the Australian government. Highly critical. If you're watching the show, you know. Just because it's a conservative government in power, I don't feel the need to uh, pretend like, you know, they make good decisions all the time. That's not how I roll. That's not what we do on this program. We stay consistent across the aisle to both sides all the time. So just because they have a little, you know, um, you know, just because they've got a little red, a little red R next to their name doesn't make any difference to me. So while we were being critical of the first three weeks of the governments of the, of the Western world doing absolutely fucking nothing, literally doing nothing because of the potential uh, downward pressure on the economy that it would have, which we're now starting to see in spades, um, imagine all of these situations. So a chauffeur can drive somebody. Ring uh, imagine the bell the, and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Winning TV. Uh, imagine the millions and millions of potential interactions that would take place on a daily basis in situations like that. How about the greeter at a hotel opening the door for people? How about the busboy at the local restaurant? How about the chauffeur driving people in the car? How about the conductor tearing tickets on the tram? And each individual instance then creates, you know, a whole... And so if you pass it on to that one person, that one person then might uh, pass it on to in their daily interactions to potentially, you know, dozens more people. And then those dozens of people pass it on in their interactions with dozens of people and then and so on and so forth. That's why you get exponential growth. I'm going to play this clip again one more time. I'm going to play this little infographic for you one more time. Now does it start to make sense when we see things like this? Watch the date in the bottom right hand of the corner. This is what exponential growth looks like. And also you have to consider that all of the potential people who are carrying this, have we've not even gotten close to testing all of them. When governments come out and say, oh, we're testing everybody, so don't panic. Bullshit. <laughs> it, is, it is numerically, mathematically impossible to test everybody. It's the false, it's the false uh, protection meme that's being placed around you, the safety blanket, so you don't panic more than you have to, which will have more of a dire effect on the economy. If the government has a choice to let a few hundred people die versus lose uh, a few billion dollars worth of value in the, in the economy, they will take the latter option, uh, the, the previous option. They, will, they would rather a few hundred people die than lose billions of dollars in the economy. That's just, it's a shitty deal. It's a shitty equation, I know, but that's what they have to do.
as you watch the numbers dance on the screen, jumping from 1 to 10 to 50 to 300 to 500 to 1,000, while you're watching that taking place, it's, remember, it's got nothing to do with how many people die. That's a bottom line talking point. Oh, but this, it's only killed X people. If, to be honest, the people that it's killed, that's actually, that's actually a positive because that's less strain on the economy if you want to be really harsh about it. <laughs> you, I'm not joking. If you're dead, you, you no longer need a hospital bed. If you're dead, you no longer need medical care. If you're dead, you no longer need medical uh, supplies. You don't need medication. You don't need to catch the bus. You don't need to go to the supermarket. You don't need to put fuel in the car. You don't need to get to work. You don't need to mingle with other people. If you're dead, you're no longer a concern. So the concern is not how many people have died. It's how many people are carrying this thing, which needs to be specially tested and requires a hospital visit and requires whole industries to shut down. That's the, that's the real concern. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer brings in a chat or toilet paper. Dead people don't need toilet paper either. Correct. <laughs> so let's get back to our little clip here. Like I said, just another another couple of minutes or so of this. Hopefully this is start it's hopefully things are starting to, you know, fall into place now. We haven't even started. You know, they were there one time and one time only. And if the chauffeur does not show any symptoms, he's still contagious. He could he, still he could also be it. contagious too, or he and that's one of the things that's challenging here is you and I might get exposed to somebody who is totally asymptomatic, no symptoms. That virus would appear, well, that's not a very strong virus. But in fact when it infects us, it could kill us. So we've seen cases of a fatal disease that were exposed to people that had minor symptoms themselves. Wow. Are we, is this thing on? Are we paying attention? But I'm not getting sick, therefore there's no problem. I'm a healthy 25-year-old. Okay, great. Don't go visit grandma, though. <laughs> Don't go visit nana. Even if you're a fit 25-year-old and you're healthy and you're, you're lo loving life, that's okay. Just don't go visit your mum. That's why you need to quarantine. Don't open the door for the little old lady at the restaurant. Don't help the little old lady with her shopping. Don't uh, buy a beer from the uh, old man who works at the bar. That's why you need to be quarantined too. And when you're quarantined, guess what you're not doing? You're not going to work. You're not going to restaurants. You're not spending money in the local economy. Are you starting to see that just pointing to the death, the, the total deaths is completely and utterly irrelevant, ladies and gentlemen? Are you starting to see why that's a false argument being pushed by, you know, the likes of Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram in response to the false argument being pushed by Brian Stelter and Anderson Cooper on the opposite side of the media battle lines? Where they're just everything is all Donald Trump's fault, which is equally retarded. Are you seeing? Are you starting to see that now? There's nuance here. Here, there's a deeper conversation here that a lot of people aren't having. Hopefully, they'll start having it soon because they're going to be forced to. Soon, you won't have a choice but to start talking about the effect on your daily life. When the boss, when the buses stop running, when the trains stop running, when the supermarkets shut down, because they've already done a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's get into some of the other stuff that's going on, shall we? But it's just a conspiracy theory. Uh, congratulations. 
but more people have died from the flu. Congratulations, you could read you could read basic talking points and see that one number is bigger than the other. You're a genius. Coronavirus conference cancelled in New York because of coronavirus, which brings me no no end of joy. <laughs> I absolutely love this story. A big a big Apple conference about the coronavirus has been cancelled because of the coronavirus, according to a report. The Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR, so, so I'm very glad that they're not able to sit down and have a little meeting, was due to hold a roundtable titled Doing Business Under Coronavirus on Friday, but decided to cancel it amid fears that it could lead to a spread of the deadly bug. <laughs> it reminds me of the climate change protests that had to be cancelled because it was snowing too much. The global warming protests, well, it's too cold outside, so we better not go. We did that one. But it's just like the flu. Washington State and San Francisco are banning large gatherings as coronavirus spreads. Ladies and gentlemen, All for all of the people who said it can't happen here, it's happening there. For all of the people who said it won't happen here, Boogs, we've got, we've got a constitution. We've got a bill of rights. I have my rights. Sure you do, sweetheart. Sure you do. Guess what? They don't care. They don't care. Washington State and San Francisco are banning large gatherings to help reduce the spread of coronavirus. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. The bans are a way to create social distancing, which may help people avoid coming into contact with others who might be sick. This is like trying to... This is like trying to put out a house fire with um, a, a, a can of spray. You know what I mean? This is like trying to put out a house fire with an eyedropper. That's basically what they're doing here. Gatherings of more than 250 people in the Seattle area are prohibited through the end of March, Washington Governor Jay Inslee announced. Gatherings of more than 1,000 people will be banned in San Francisco for two weeks, according to the Office of San Francisco Mayor London Breed. How to look like you're doing something without actually doing something. Thanks, DLive. We're on the featured page now of DLive, apparently. Thank you so much. This order applies to gatherings of, get this, get this, social, spiritual, and recreational activities. Do you go to one of those mega churches where like 400 people turn up and sing? Do you remember that? Do you, are you one of those kinds? Guess what? But I have religious freedom. Not no more, you don't. <laughs> but I have a right to free assembly and I have a right to religious freedom. Well, guess what? Your governor just your governor just took that right away. Thank you for coming. Thank you for playing. But it can't happen here. It is happening there. It's happening right now. NBA suspends season due to the coronavirus. Oh. Oh. But it's all just a conspiracy theory. It's it's nothing more than the flu. Nothing's going to happen. It's, I, there were people legitimately t saying to me three weeks ago that this is all just going to go away. That this is all just going to go away. And I lost my breath saying to people, it's not going to just go away. It's going to get worse. <laughs> what are you, some kind of fear monger? What are you, you're reading too much fake news. No one's going to do anything. Everyone knows that this is a conspiracy theory. Ah, oh, okay. Again, I was trying to say back then, it doesn't matter what you think of the virus, the the effect, the reaction that people have to it will make it real. It will manifest it into reality. This is going to affect you, whether you like it or not. 
The NBA has suspended the current season of play due to the coronavirus. The league made the announcement on Wednesday, according to ESPN's Adrian Wadron, sorry, Adrian, Adrian W, we'll call him. The Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder players are under quarantine in Oklahoma after Rudy Gobert, a player from the Jazz, tested positive for the coronavirus. <clears throat> in a statement, the NBA announced the Jazz Thunder news without mentioning Gobert by name. The test result was reported shortly prior to the tip-off of tonight's game between the Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder at the Cheapsake Energy Arena, the league said. At this time, tonight's game was cancelled. The affected player was not in the arena. Things are happening, ladies and gentlemen. If you thought 1,000 people wasn't enough, how about 250? Washington State reportedly set to ban events larger than 250 people to slow COVID-19 spread. It's all a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Sebastian in the chat. Washington Governor Jay Inslee plans to announce new restrictions, so we've gone from 1,000 to 250 like that. Soon, you won't be allowed to leave your house. Just putting that out there as a possibility because two weeks ago, the good people of Northern Italy thought that this was all a conspiracy theory as well. They thought there's nothing to worry about. Now they're not even allowed to drive their own car to another town. Nothing to see here. Plans to announce new restrictions on large events in the state to curb the spread of coronavirus, banning gatherings of more than 250 people, according to multiple reports. Depending on the duration, the move could have implications for events ranging from the Seattle Mariners home opener in two weeks. That, that's that's gone. Don't worry about that. Uh, to major tech events scheduled for the spring. <laughs> I saw one comment in another chat. Someone, I can't remember who it was. Uh, they were talking about public events being banned and this person was like, well, I'm still going. <laughs> it's like, okay. There goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. Like the one guy lining up at the baseball game. I'm still going. You're not scaring me away. Yeah, I'm sure the guys with guns who will be standing at the front gate were just going to let you stroll in and buy a fucking hot dog. You shit for brains. <laughs> it's not going to affect me. Oh, of course not. You're the special one. <laughs> It's not going to affect me, I tells you. I tells you. Ain't nobody stopping me from doing what I want to do. Okay. Okay. Sure, mate. <laughs> people are just, people are detached. <sighs> Coronavirus US. New York shuts down suburb. Army brought in amid escalation. Let's have a look. Because remember, it can't happen here, ladies and gentlemen. It cannot happen here. It won't happen here. My rights. I've got constitutional rights. I've got a bill of rights. It can't happen here. It's damn slow loaders. Uh, let's try reload. Let's try refresh, shall we? No, doesn't want to play. You know what will happen. As soon as I move to a different screen, then it'll start playing. No protesting allowed. Nope. No protests allowed. I mean, it, it's so insane now. Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram was on Twitter before. Last night, 
uh, again, these pundits, these pundits are going to have to sign a lot of sorry books in a few weeks' time. Always download the video, I know, right? These pundits are going to have to be signing a lot of sorry books in a few weeks. Laura Ingram was on Twitter, legitimately on Twitter, to her hundreds of thousands of followers last night, saying that this is all just to stop people going to Donald Trump rallies. Do you fucking believe it? So, so what? The the Italian government... New Rochelle. So the Italian... Laura, sorry, Laura. I know you're blonde and I like you. Uh, I'm sorry, Laura. Are you saying that the Italian government shutting down travel in its own country is to stop people going to Donald Trump rallies? Uh, how fucking dense are you? You, you must be thick as crude oil. <laughs> that this is what they're saying. Oh, oh. It's all it's all just to stop people going to Donald Trump rallies. That 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 is severe detachment from reality, folks. That's when you know that somebody is completely entrenched in the false uh talking point game of ping pong that the the uh the corporate media wants people to have. With these ridiculous asinine clearly objectively false talking points. Wait, so uh, the Formula One Grand Prix in Bahrain is going to be raced in front of zero spectators because people want to stop other people going to Donald Trump rallies? Wow. Is a particular problem. It is... Uh, and we told you... And I told... I, we told you the, on this show, and I, I don't want to do the I told you so stuff. It's not about that. It's about showing you how things progress, right? I, we said on this program that when a uh, when a local government authority comes out and does something about like in response to coronavirus, it will only be used as evidence that it's all political to get Donald Trump. We said this like last week, and then what happens? The governor of New York does this move to quarantine, you know, a thousand people in his own city, and like like fucking clockwork, like night follows day. All of the talking points start spewing out into social media. Well, it's it's Cuomo, it's New York, so it's only about Donald Trump. It's like we just sit back and go. <laughs> you are you are metronomic in your predictability at this point, following the exact talking point that the the corporate media wants you to follow. You think that you're above it and you think that you're going around it and you think that you're reading it. No, you are doing the exact thing that the corporate media wants you to do. Foster, the numbers have been going up. The numbers continue to go up. The numbers are going up unabated. Uh, and we do need a special uh, public health strategy for New Rochelle. What we are going to do is focus on an area, concentric circle, around the situs of the majority of the cases in New Rochelle. I bet you, I bet you they would like to do a lot more. And you remember, we played the clips on this show a few weeks ago when the first instances of people being... Uh, tested for coronavirus happened in New York City. Do you remember we played those clips on the show of the New York City health officials? Ah, there's no reason to panic. It's just like the flu. And we said, oh, yes, of course, nothing will happen because 
uh, it's not like New York is a city of millions of people where everybody's rubbing shoulders constantly in places like the New York City subway. And it's not like New York is a place that has thousands of tourists coming in and out every single day. <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> Like, I, I, and I don't know why people are surprised now. Well, actually, that's not true. I know why people are um, flipping out now about stuff like this. I know why people are like, what the hell is going on? It's because, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, a lot of people have spent the last few weeks concerned with the political, oh, Donald Trump isn't doing a good enough job or it doesn't kill as many people that the flu kills. We need to defend Donald Trump because people have been concerned with that side of the argument instead of analysing the potential outcomes of what's happening. I get it, man. I get it. You want to defend your guy. I get it. I understand. But it's the, it's the false argument. It's not the real debate. Much of the transmission tends to happen on a geographic basis. We're also going to use the National Guard in the containment area uh, to deliver food uh, to uh, home. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't worry. They're just there to hand out food. Like we couldn't get other government employees to hand out food. No, no. We actually, we need the National Guard in their fatigues with their firearms to hand out food. <laughs> okay. Okay. People will repeat it. Don't worry. No, the National Guard is probably... Maybe the Nas maybe I'm the idiot here. The National Guard is best trained to hand out food packages to people. <laughs> They're better trained than, like, you know, regular government employees. Don't... Ignore ignore the fatigues and the camos and the, and the sidearms, will you? Just remember, they're just... We're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> to help with the cleaning help with the cleaning that i this is news to the national guard if you were thinking about uh enrolling in the national guard enlisting in the national guard i've got news for you you've got to pick up a broom and a sponge because they're going to send you around to clean the trains <laughs> yeah <laughs> Welcome to the National Guard, young patriot. Please go. Please go to your commanding officer. He will hand you a sponge and a <laughs> and a and a bucket of fucking soapy water. Off you go, uh, uh, sir. <laughs> Here is your allocated can of pledge. <laughs> Here is your pledge and your microfiber tissues. Now go off into the world. Clean those desks. Clean those monitors. Clean those handrails. We're protecting America. Oh, say can you see <laughs> while they're scrubbing the floors. <laughs> <clears throat> Reciting the Pledge of Allegiance while they're cleaning toilets. <laughs> the National Guard is here to help with the cleaning. Jesus Christ. Becca says, I was in the National Guard and I did not at once and I did not clean once. <laughs> well then you're obviously not a real patriot, Becca. Everybody knows the real National Guard is all about, uh, you know, replacing the Mexican cleaning ladies at the hotels in New York. That's what they're really there to do. Of public spaces. March 12th from this Thursday, a two-week uh, period where facilities within that area, schools within that area. 
Uh, yeah, Rock in America says I'll say I still say it's a test run to work out the bugs. A, a few people say you you could be right, but um, you know, at this point, it's just it's a guess. You know what I mean? Like it might be an educated guess. It might be, but there's no there's no evidence of that. Like you can you can assume that that's what's taking place, and that's fine. Like I don't even have a problem with that because I can't say that it's not. But what we can say is there's an operation taking place. And I think what we can say, because we're cynical black shirt wearing libertarians on this program, what we can say is the government saying that they need to deploy the National Guard to help wipe down countertops in New York City is ostensibly fucking ridiculous, right? <laughs> like that is inherently insane. Oh, the, we're deploying the National Guard just to help with the cleaning. Oh, okay. <laughs> to hand out, to hand out fucking meals on wheels. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> the area would be closed for two weeks. We'll go in. We'll clean the schools. We're cleaning everything. The situation. Yeah, assess this the situation. Can't... We're monitoring the situation, guys. Okay, so your right to free assembly has been taken away in Washington State and in California. Don't worry. It's coming to other states as well. It's coming to Australia as well. It's already happening in Europe, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you're not allowed to free, free the right of free travel, which many Europeans hold very dear. If you don't know any, they, they'll tell you our free travel is very important to us. Uh, your right to free travel in Italy has now been neutralised. That's no longer a thing. You don't get that anymore. Um, governments in Australia are talking about shutting down the entirety of the education system and sending everybody home, teachers and students alike, meaning all of those people are not going to be out there. They're not going to be catching buses. They're not going to be taking Ubers. They're not going to be eating out. They're not going to be going to school. They're not going to be working. They'll be lining up at hospitals to fight over beds which aren't, which do not exist. And again, at this point, somebody's going to point out and say, but it hasn't killed as many people as the flu has. Congratulations, you can read basic statistics. But that's it. <laughs> You're not considering anything else beyond that. So, enter El Presidente, ladies and gentlemen. Three weeks ago... Uh, Donald Trump was being praised for saying that it's not really that much of a concern, that it's no different to the flu and we're doing a great job. Now he's being praised for doing things that conservatives were saying three weeks ago was all just a fear campaign. Which I, you know, I, I struggle to see how you can have those two opposing viewpoints at the same time. It's not, it's, they believe simultaneously that it's not a real crisis. It's all just a conspiracy. It's not a real crisis that's taking place. It's just like the flu, but at the same time, they're praising Donald Trump for taking measures to fight against a crisis that they say doesn't exist. You can't have both things. It cannot be both things at once. That is kiss-arsing at that point. Pick one and stick to it. Officially announced that this is a global pandemic. Not we all conservatives. Frequent- not all conservatives, Evelina, I know contact with our allies and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the american people protect we're protecting you we're protecting you this is going to be one of those sad occasions where i'm going to lose even more friends (laughs) before being consistent But I'm afraid of consistent I must be. 
People last week, ladies and gentlemen, who were fully on board with uh, the concept of the protection meme and how it's used will now be praising the protection meme. They will now be pointing to this speech and saying, no, don't you understand? He's protecting us. When last week, when I was pointing out, you know, the, 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 the protection meme is used to gift wrap something that is ugly and nefarious that people don't want and be presented to people in a way so they will accept it when they otherwise wouldn't accept it. Last week, people understood that. This week, those very same people will now be coming back to me and saying, no, no, you didn't listen to what the president said. He's protecting us. You don't understand. This is different. To which I'll say, oh, he's protecting you against a crisis that you say doesn't exist. And then I'll be accused of being a communist who reads fake news. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. Why, though? Why? It's no different than the flu. Why do you need an aggressive confrontation of a foreign virus? I don't understand. Why would you need to do anything? It's just like the flu. So now you have to wrestle with the idea that, <clears throat> okay, this was all construct. This was all started by the mainstream media, right? This is all the mainstream media is doing: paging Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. This is all because of the mainstream media hyping up people's fear. Oh, okay, so have they convinced the president too? They must have convinced the president that it's really bad. the The president must be watching lots of CNN then, Laura, Sean. You tits. Is that what's taking place here? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight on Hannity, how the demon rats are working with the corporate media to spin up a fear cycle to in order to get people to be so afraid that they don't attend Donald Trump rallies. Coming up after the break, Donald Trump's bold and aggressive response to the crisis that we say doesn't exist. <laughs> What's taking place here? <laughs> maybe, maybe Trump's reading too much fake news. I don't know. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately uh, bite me in the chat. I've never seen you before. Maybe you're maybe you're a regular. I'm not sure. Why were you so down on people that were worried before it got bad? Are you addressing me with that? Because if you were listening to this show, you would know that that's BS. I was criticizing the people who were saying that there's nothing to worry about. So like the exact opposite of what you're saying. But maybe you're just new here. Maybe, you know, maybe you've been in this room for 10 minutes. I'm not sure. But I was saying people who were saying that there's nothing to worry about they're creating like a false reality because there is stuff that's happening. There is stuff that's going to happen and it's more important than just, oh, you know, the flu kills less people. That's a false talking point. That's what I've been saying all along. And We've been consistent here. Expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. 
Except for the first month. <laughs> now, now we're doing stuff. Okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but again, I, I'm sorry to have to do this. I don't want to do this. I would much rather be like the, the guy that everybody loves and every, oh, yay. I'd much rather be the popular one. But I'm afraid, you know, I have, I have to point out inconsistencies where I see them. And I'm not going to pander to people. I'm not going to I'm not going to change my position based on what their favorite politician says. Unfortunately. For me. <laughs> but I've made peace with that a long time ago. I have to say, uh, what are you responding to? Remember, it's no worse than the flu. It's just like the common cold. Why do you need the most aggressive response in history to something that is just like the flu? I don't get it. Right? If it's all just about fake news and if it's all just a fear campaign and people are reading in the mainstream media is making people get really upset and afraid about something that's no more than the flu, why is Donald Trump now feeding that very fear campaign by saying this is the most aggressive response we've ever had? Why is he doing it? Why is that happening then? If it's just about a fear campaign in the press, like I, if somebody can give me an answer to that, fine. Instead of just saying you're pushing fear porn, you're reading fake. See, I'm just getting the same shit thrown back at me. People don't like answering those kinds of difficult questions. They'd much rather spin their way out of the conversation and turn it into something else. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public... Why? It's no, it's no worse than the flu. It's just the common cold. Why do it? Right? ...public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. Horrible infection. The tune has changed, has it not? Comrades, brothers, sisters, patriots. It sounds like the tune has changed a lot in the last week, right? It's gone from, there's no need to panic. It's no different to the common cold. It's no different to the flu. To now, the most restrictive quarantining in 50 years. And the, what was it? What was that? What was the term he used, ladies and gentlemen? The horrible level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. The horrible infection. It's now got to the horrible infection stage. But it's no different to the cold. It's no different to the flu. Now it's a horrible infection. Why? And again, I'll point out and like, so I see James in the chat. James knows I love him. He knows I respect him. And we've been coming at this from different angles for the last month. And that's fine. We're still going to be friends after this. But I've been saying for weeks to, you know, my, again, very small but mighty audience, you get this. You understand. That we've been saying that pointing to the amount of people who have died is the false corporate media argument. That's not the issue. Saying more people have been killed by the flu is, that's great. You can read basic statistics. <clears throat> that's not the issue. It's everything else that surrounds it. It's the flow-on effects, which we are now seeing. That's the real issue here. The thousands and thousands and thousands of people which are potentially going to need hospital beds which have not been allocated, which have not been accounted for. 
It's the exponential growth of infection. It's the requirement of a special testing kit. They, all of these things don't need uh, the same response as the flu. And now Donald Trump has changed from, uh, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, it's it's nothing. It's no worse than a common cold. It's just like the flu to now. It's a dangerous infection spreading and we have uh, aggressive quarantining and travel restrictions. And people are now going to come out and say that they, 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 they agreed with this all along, that nothing has changed. This is the exact, and it's bullshit. It is bullshit. People are going to say, yeah, that's what we thought all along. A dangerous infection that needs to be stopped. Aggressive quarantine. No, no. You were saying all along that there's nothing taking place, that it's not real, that it's all a concoction of the mainstream media. So Donald Trump must be reading too much CNN now. He must be reading too much New York Times because he's now adding to the fear rhetoric himself. That's what you were calling it, fear rhetoric. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. <laughs> For now. <laughs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, as of three weeks ago, in a nation of more than 330 million people, there were one, two, three, four, five facilities in the entire mainland of the United States that had the ability to test for coronavirus. Five. Not 500, not 5,000. Five. And we said back then, three weeks ago, that that is a false talking point. Because now as the testing has become more... Um, you know, more readily available, all of a sudden we're starting to see hundreds, hundreds of people. Oh, oh what's going on here? Where have all these people taken place? Ah, oh, don't worry, they've just been mingling and mixing and getting on public transport for the last month. We heard from the expert how incubation periods work, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, let's, let's watch it one more time. Let's go back to it one more time. It's disease. This is what I'm going to unfold, not just in Wuhan, it's unfolding in Milan. It's what does an incubation period in, in mean, Seattle, ladies and, and gentlemen? Because of a different set of risk factors than we saw in China. Now, you mentioned that there's some sort of an incubation period before people become sick, they're still contagious. What is this incubation period and how do we know about it? When we call something an incubation period, we're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected uh, what the virus was expelling out, I breathed it in. How long from that time period till the time period that you get sick? And what is that? It's, that's what we call the incubation period. So that's when case numbers can double or triple in every so many days. In this case, it's about four days. So, And we actually have data there from people who are exposed one time or one time only. And we know when they were exposed, where they were exposed, and how soon do they get sick afterwards. So the chauffeur in the car where an individual was sick or showing symptoms then the chauffeur gets it four days later. You know, they were there one time and one time only. And if the chauffeur does not show any symptoms, he's still contagious. He could he, still. He could also be it. contagious too. Or he, and that's one of the things that's challenging here is you and I might get exposed to somebody who is totally asymptomatic, no symptoms. That virus would appear, well, that's not a very strong virus. But in fact, when it infects us, it could kill us. <laughs> Ms. Mary in a chat whose opening comment was, Corona is BS. So thank you for being so detailed. Us, who are these dumbasses? We'll go over this guy again. Uh, this dumbass is thank you for, for coming. coming. I'll see you in hell. This particular dumbass that you're listening to, uh, who's, who's spent the last 35 years essentially as a virus hunter going around the world, uh, diagnosing viruses before they become pandemics. So this, a dumbass, as you've, as you've called him, 
He is the Regents Professor McKnight, Presidential Endowed Chair in Public Health, the Director of the Centre for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, Distinguished Teaching Professor in the Division of Environmental Health Services, School of Public Health, a Professor in the Technological Leadership Institute, College of Science and Engineering, and an Adjunct Professor in the Medical School, all at the Washington, uh, all at the University of Minnesota. He's This one guy is all of those things. So, you know, as you correctly pointed out, just another dumbass on the internet. <laughs> Because it's all BS. <laughs> Just another dumbass. You've got it figured out. <laughs> because it's all BS, ladies and gentlemen, because it's all fake, because it's all fake news, because it's all about attacking Donald Trump, Donald Trump has decided to suspend travel from Europe as countries tighten lockdowns because obviously Donald Trump is reading too much fake news, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously Donald Trump is reading too much CNN. Financial markets plunge. Italy ordered nearly all businesses to close. President Trump said he would be sp suspending all travel from Europe for the next 30 days starting Friday. The restrictions will not apply to Britain because obviously Donald Trump is reading too much fake news. He knows it's all BS. We all know it's all BS. Why is Donald Trump doing this? It's no different than the flu. It's no different than the common cold. Why would he suspend travel if it's all BS? Why, this must be part of the plan, right? This must be part of the plan. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Going to get the pedos. That's what's happening here. <laughs> what he was talking about there with, again, you can imagine over the last month, all of the little interactions, the minute interactions that people might have had on a daily basis, shaking hands, touching handrails, touching door handles, all before like anybody, and people still don't care. Like, you know, as we just saw, people are still saying it's all BS. Um, so people didn't care. People weren't paying attention. Broadway Usher tests positive for coronavirus. Ooh. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. The employee worked in recent days at Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Luckily, I don't think anybody went to see that. Because <laughs> I've heard it's fucking terrible. So hopefully nobody went to see this terrible play. And six, prompting a scramble to inform the public and clean the theatres. Again, reacting. It's too late once he's been in there shaking hands with everyone, you know, holding people's popcorn, <laughs> opening doors. <laughs> Think of the hundreds and hundreds of people that have gone through this theatre. One usher who greets them at the door. Oh, dear. A part-time usher who recently worked at two Broadway theatres has tested positive for COVID-19, the disease caused by the new coronavirus, prompting a scramble to inform the public and clean the buildings, according to the theatre owners. But don't worry, we heard from uh, we heard from the Mayor of New York, the National Guard, in their army fatigues and their camos and their sidearms, they're only going into New York to help with the cleaning. They're there to help the cleaning ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, we decided to send in these, uh, these very, you know, these very professional uh, military trained personnel, uh, you know, with their sidearms and their army fatigues. They're only going in there to help wipe down the countertops at the Broadway theaters. They're just going in there to help hand out food. So don't panic, okay? This is not some kind of crisis. This is not some kind of issue that you need to worry about. The National Guard is only going in there to make sure that everybody gets their lunch on time. They're only going in there to help clean the trains. <laughs> Welcome to the National Guard, young patriot. Here is your sponge. Here is your bottle of pledge. Now hop to it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, here's another clip for you. Again, not to go over old ground, but uh, if you still find yourself pointing to the bottom line here that more people have died from the flu, you're, you're missing out on a whole bunch of other conversations. You need to consider the flow-on effects when governments will shut down public transport, for example, like they've already done in Italy. Uh, they'll, supermarkets will close because they'll send their employees home. They're, they're already talking about in Western governments, ladies and gentlemen, the, the government needs to provide businesses with sick pay because they're going to have to be sending their workers home for two weeks, right? Again, these are all of the flow-on things that uh, people haven't allowed themselves to consider because people like Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity have been on TV saying that it's just a conspiracy theory to hurt Donald Trump to stop people going to Trump rallies. That's what this is about. Those demon rats. So imagine the effect on the economy. Whole businesses shut down. Whole industries shut down. Government departments shut down. The city of Sydney comes to a grinding halt when one train on a major train line breaks down for one hour. Imagine that for about two or three weeks. Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. And when people stop spending money, people stop having money because when you spend it, somebody else gets it, right? But, but, more, but, but the flu has killed more people. Oh, okay. Then I guess we can ignore everything else. <laughs> You've been studying the financial markets here for 15 years in Asia. Have you ever witnessed a greater period of uncertainty? No, I don't think we've had seen anything as uncertain as this in that it has global scale. Um, it is directly relevant to markets in terms of um, economic activity. Uh, and it's something that um, the people who move the capital don't have the knowledge to, to make decisions around. The worst case scenario is we've heard a number of experts tell us that a very large percentage of the population could be impacted by this. And that would then uh, be a very significant impact uh, on the economy and a very significant impact on the market where you'd be expecting significant falls, tens of percentages, not single digit percentages. And that will affect everybody. Yeah, it, it's, it's global by nature. And the, the thing about markets is they're extremely global. Uh, information transmits immediately uh, and they're all pricing uh, one, the impact of all of these things uh, instantaneously. But we're almost asking economists to come up with a death toll, aren't we? Uh, again, well, to again some degree. The, uh, again with the death toll because people have lost the ability to, uh, you know, explore nuance in conversation. Just like the, uh, you know, the quote-unquote dumbass with um, about seven different scientific titles behind his name who's spent the last 30 years doing this job. Uh, he's just making shit up, apparently, because he hates Trump, possibly. <laughs> I mean, just, just the mental divergence now at this point is uh, surreal. Um, but, again, like, jumping straight to the false argument, dump, jumping straight to the false corporate media talking point game. Oh, but what about how many people have died? I'll say it again. The people who have died actually helps the situation. If you're dead, you don't need to catch the bus. You don't need to catch the train. If you're dead, nobody needs to put you in a hospital bed. That's a hospital bed empty for somebody who's not dead. Sounds harsh, but it's true. But what about all the people who've died? Are you not listening? Are you not paying attention? It's all the other things that are the problem.
That's, that's part of the factor, uh, is that, you know, what is the mortality rate of this disease? That's important. Um, what's the transmission rate? All of these things are going to go into uh, the modelling. Ultimately, what we, uh, we need to assess is the degree to which consumers and companies will spend. Here we and go. the degree to which their income will be impacted. Could this be big enough to spark a worldwide recession? It's possible if, we, the key thing here is time. Um, if we see that we don't see a return to normal economic activity for many quarters, then the, the longer things go, the more you trigger the risk of recession. Global recession is a real risk in this environment. Again, it's a function of how long the virus uh, uh, persists and uh, the, the uh, infection rates that we continue to see. So from our perspective, what you would want to see is within the second quarter and at latest the third quarter, you want to see clear evidence that uh, there's economic activity coming back. If it was funny when people were saying... Um a couple of days ago when the market took an absolute when the market took a big shit and lost about 2000 points and then the next day it rallied to like uh to regain about a thousand points and say so, oh see everything's fine you cannot assess the health of a market from one day to the next like that, that's that's too short a uh, time frame like the, the 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 spread or the response to coronavirus didn't end that day right Things are still happening. Things are actually accelerating now. So do try to get out of the habit of pointing to the market at any on any particular day and saying, oh, look what it did today. Therefore, it's all going to be okay now. No, no, no. That day was okay. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Think about, you know, three months, six months, 12 months. It's an, you know... Uh, market forecasting is not necessarily done on a day-to-day, but it's, an in, it's, it's done on an infinite timeline. Let's go, I just want to go back to our dumbass one more time because I think this is vital. Release all of the... Pr Professor Dumbass over here. Uh, social distances, these mandated stay in homes, haven't left their home in weeks and weeks kind of thing. When they go back to work, they're on planes, trains, subways, buses, crowded spaces, manufacturing plants, even China is going to come back again. And so this really is acting like an influenza virus, something that transmits very, very easily through the air. We now have data to show that you're infectious before you even get sick. And in some cases, quite highly infectious, just breathing is all that you need to do. So from this perspective, I can understand why people would say, well, wait a minute, flu kills a lot more itself every year than this does. And I remind people this just is beginning. Probably the best guesstimate we have right now on what limited data we have would say, this is going to be at least 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. But, you know, it's all going to end tomorrow. <laughs> it's all just going to go away. <laughs> Haven't even started yet. Haven't even started to comprehend what could possibly take place, what the reactions could possibly be. You're already seeing governments ban public gatherings, but we have our constitution. We have a bill of rights. Do you now? Do you? I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Uh, the governor of Washington just banned two, more than 250 people being in one place at one time, including churches. But my religious freedoms, who cares? They don't care. They're taking a big shit on it. The governor of New York just brought in the National Guard to quarantine a thousand people in New York City to, to set up a quarantine zone 
but he's telling you, oh, don't worry, they're just handing out meals and wiping down countertops. They're just here to help with the cleaning. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we were alluding to all of these potential possibilities and these potential outcomes um, a month ago, we were watching videos from around the world when we were talking about the way that governments were talking and the way the public health officials were talking. Guess what? We were just fear mongers. We were just making it all up. Just dumb asses. <laughs> no, it's all just a conspiracy by the media to get you to hate Donald Trump and not go to rallies. Right. Right. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we might we might end it there. We've been going for a couple of hours. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie. Thank you for joining us at this late, late hour. Uh, I know it's an inconvenience, so I appreciate you being here and thank you for sharing the show out. The replay will be up on BitChute uh, later tonight if you feel so inclined. Thank you to everyone who contributed tonight on DLive, by the way. Most appreciated. Uh, I'll be back probably sometime over the weekend. Might do a little game stream or something like that. We'll see how this story develops. There's so much more that we could have got uh, gotten to, but it is getting late. And I'm sure that there's other things that you would rather be doing. So thank you so much. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me that it's all a conspiracy and I'm nothing but a fear monger, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Uh, don't forget to follow our friends at RealPersonPLTCS. Uh, he joined us in the chat earlier at ChrisMC44, censored UK Neil, uh, JJ Stoner, Irrational Times, Joy of Pessy, uh, Winning TV also joined us. Thanks to everyone who listened on the Podbean app. I will open the chest now. We've jackpotted the chest from yesterday. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.